Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? The 2020 NFL Draft Preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by... LinkedIn, the perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find the next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide, and LinkedIn jobs has screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability, LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn and why companies rated LinkedIn jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering the quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get $50 off and get the first $50 off. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash team. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash team to get $50 off your first post. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is also brought to you by Simply Safe. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune, or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection, two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. And entry motion and glass break sensors guard the inside. You barely notice it's there. But what's truly remarkable is you can set this system up all by yourself. Anyone can do it. It takes 30 minutes to an hour tops, and there's absolutely no trade-offs to your safety. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice, 24-7. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Go to simplysafe.com slash team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's T-E-A-M, simplysafe.com slash team. My guest today, guys, is a longtime friend of the show, Scott Wright. He's been with me Going all the way back to my Sports Talk Underground days, that's a show, if you guys remember my buddy Ryan Simmons that we did the top 10 uh, show uh, sports movies with, he and I used to do a podcast way back in the day called the Sports Talk Underground. Scott Wright was our draft guy back then. That's 2004 to 2007. Okay, So we've known Scott quite a bit, uh, quite a long time. We've had him on the show many, many years in a row now, and uh, he's going to help us preview uh, this year's draft. So... What do you say we go ahead and get started? It's the 2020 NFL Draft Preview episode of the Bear Suck Underground, so let's get to it. It's the main event of the offseason uh, before, well, in, in years past, what would have been like the last big event before uh, OTAs and then uh, drifting off into a summer of nothingness before training camp finally started at the end of July and early August. Uh, it's the NFL draft. And um, for for such a weird time uh, in our country with this uh, pandemic uh, going on, 
not as much like buzz and excitement around the draft as there usually would be probably because we're not hip deep in in you know the structures and and what they're going to be doing uh in in las vegas instead we're we're going to be watching uh commissioner goodell making draft picks literally from the basement of his house uh and war rooms are going to be scattered all over not just all over the country but literally in every market that a football team is in the war room will be scattered all over that particular market ryan pace is going to be making draft picks from his dining room table and god knows where matt Nagy will be or if anybody will be at the facility or, or anything like that it's shaping up like i'm i'm interested i'm intrigued and i'm also afraid of what this is going to be like on thursday night when the first round kicks off uh for the 2020 draft i mean we're i'm definitely not going to miss the pomp and circumstance of you know the show the spectacle that the nfl draft has become just for the simple fact that i'm not going to miss um not going to miss all of the and i actually talked about this with our guest uh scott wright i'm not going to miss the fact that the draft has fallen three or four picks behind because everybody's got to bring all 60 of their family members out to the stage to celebrate. I mean, granted, this is a privilege that they've earned uh, by being selected in the NFL draft and every kind of I'm, I'm just not going to miss it. Having to sit through all of that before we can make the next pick that we're actually, like I said, somewhere in between 15 to 20 minutes behind where we actually should be at this moment like the the number 12 pick has already been made officially but we're still waiting on number nine to be officially announced because everybody's brought their entourage on stage and all of their family members and every minor person that's had anything to do with them getting to that point has to come on stage and take a picture with him wearing his hat so um not gonna miss that uh it'll be just more like of a true blue straightforward uh, a draft i mean i i don't anticipate i mean the other thing is oh and scott wright and i did not talk about this that i will definitely not miss the late round draft choices that have to be made from aircraft carrier uss who gives a shit or anything uh like that or you know some random historic location where somebody played football once uh you know like a you know for someone who lived in the quad cities for 20 years they made a draft choice in Rock Island, uh, Illinois, uh, last season, which was one of the first NFL teams, was a Rock Island, Illinois uh, team uh, and everything. They were like one of the first NFL champions or something. That was some significance as to why they chose uh, Rock Island. But, um, you know, I'm not going to miss that. Just make the picks, man, and then let the analysts do their job. Tell us who these kids are, why this is a good choice or why this is a uh, questionable choice. Does this guy fit? Blah, blah, blah. Why he's being picked in the fifth round instead of the third, so on and so forth. That's what I'm watching the draft for because, you know, I'm not a draft guy. I don't spend all my time analyzing prospects and all that kind of stuff. That's what the Scott Wrights and the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShays of the world are for. And I want, you know, they do their homework because this is what they are passionate about. They tell me why it is these kids have earned the spot that they've earned and why this team would want to take them in this spot and, and so on. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And so forth. That's what I watch the draft for. I watch the draft to learn, quite frankly. I watch the draft to learn. You know, and it's football, and God knows we could all use a little bit of football in our lives uh, at this point. So even though it is just simply, 
it, basically we've got the draft down to its base actual purpose is for everyone to just pick their players because we're not going to have any of the spectacle that we've had uh, in the past few, especially in the last several uh, years. But, um, you know, they're simply just going to be making the choices and then going to the experts, which is why uh, I, I think um, it's it's either going to be entertaining it's either going to be awesome and informative or it's going to bore us to tears <laughs> one way or the other. So I, I don't anticipate it falling anywhere in between. I think it's either going to be you know, awesome and informative. I mean, you might have people on both sides of the fence on that. My, people might be bored that there aren't a thousand lights and a hundred, fa- you know, thousands of fans cheering for their team's draft choices and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we're going to miss out on that and, 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 and what have you. But, um, you know, it's uh, it should be interesting to uh, to find out what it's what it's really going to be. You know, will it be anywhere near as entertaining or will this just be a night for draft nerds who, you know, who've been working all year to get to this to get to this point, to get to this day? Like our good friend Scott Wright, this is what he lives for. This is literally what the guy does for a living is he studies for studies, prospects and players for the draft and once this one closes up they'll probably take a short break and then get to work on 2021 because we only got 360 something days until that draft rolls around so we got a lot of work to do between now and then so you know will this just be a day that uh, the only only draft nerds can appreciate so we'll have to wait and see uh, on that one but um real quick before we get into uh scott Wright and i we got some uh some bears talk real quick i mean we talk about the bears and and mainly focus on what they can do in the second round because after the second round if the bears don't trade back and get some picks uh for one of those second rounders we don't pick again thanks to the nick nick Foles trade we don't pick again until the fifth round so i didn't want to get into who could possibly be there for the bears in the fifth the sixth and the seventh round when they'll be picking again We'll, we'll save that for when we have Scott Wright back in a week or two to review the picks that were actually made and, and talk about the undrafted free agent class the Bears are going to uh, bring in. Um, we focused mainly on the second-round picks when it comes to the Bears discussion or the Bears part of the uh, discussion. We talked a lot about the quarterbacks and, and will there be any surprises there and any other uh, prospects and, and uh, you know top players uh, in this year's draft. But before we get to that, um, the Bears making some headlines with their with their transactions in the past week since uh, since we last spoke when I we had our friend Q Myers on for that uh, really fun uh, what if conversation uh, that we had. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris, who got a uh, you know was uh, like a restricted like an exclusive rights free agent or something like that, uh, restricted free agent signed his one year tenure, so he's officially uh, coming back. Sherrick McManus, got a, I, I love Sherrick McManus. Uh, he's an awesome special teams player, and he stepped up for the Bears on defense last year uh, as well. He's back on another one-year uh, contract. And then on the 17th, the Bears um, uh, kind of bunched up their, their transactions there. Uh, they re-signed uh, Rashad Coward to a one-year deal. Uh, they re-signed J.P. Holtz, the tight end, bringing him back. Uh, as well i guess we're hell-bent on taking every f- available tight end uh into camp with us uh this year the bears have nine uh i think and uh we signed a a, a kicker uh ramiz ahmed and i don't know if he's a camp leg or if he's competition to show uh you know eddie pinero that uh you know hey man you know you, you did the job but uh you know don't uh, don't get comfortable you know you still got to work for it and then one of the interesting transactions was the signing of Jason Spriggs, an offensive lineman uh, who was drafted by the Green Bay Packers. And it's funny because in the 2016 uh, draft, he was actually the offensive lineman I wanted the Bears to pick. I was really actually high on on Spriggs. I thought we could use, you know, I, I, it was well, like I was never really been a big fan of Charles Leno. And I thought we could use an offensive tackle. So please go ahead and draft this guy. And I honestly think that the Bears were going to take him. But then in the second round of that draft, the, the Packers 
made a trade to jump directly ahead of the Bears and took Jason Spriggs. After they took Jason Spriggs, the Bears traded back and landed Cody Whitehair. I mean, come on. Tell me that didn't work out. And now we got them both because things didn't work out, unfortunately, for Jason Spriggs in Green Bay, which is why he's on a one-year prove-it deal for a former second-round pick. So not an ideal situation as far as how he wanted his career to go, but he's got new life in Chicago, and who knows what could happen uh, while he's in a uh, Bear uniform. So best of luck to Jason Spriggs. I hope it, uh, hope it works out, and I hope he's the player that I wanted the Bears to draft instead of the one that uh, ended up in uh, Green Bay. And then finally, kind of burying the lead here, the Bears cut the Trey Burton. And I got to be honest with you guys, I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised they did it now. Uh, they've designated him a post-June, uh, post-June 1st cut, so I guess that will help as far as uh, softening the blow for the dead cap situation that uh, – you know his contract will will carry. I have, I have no idea what those numbers, what those numbers are. But um, you know, I didn't think the Bears were going to do it. I really thought that maybe they'd give him one more, one more year. But you know, because I, it's kind of like when when uh, if you guys remember when I was talking to Q Myers, um, as talking about the Khalil Mack trade, and it's like 2018, the Bears absolutely won that trade. They killed it. You know, the Khalil Mack was a beast. He was a monster. He elevated the team to a place we didn't think was possible in 2018. And then in 2019, injuries and all that kind of stuff and and lack of help from the other side, the Raiders won that trade because Josh Jacobs and, you know, the guys that they drafted uh, made, uh, you know, made things a lot better in in Oakland for the Raiders or now Las Vegas uh, for the Raiders. And, um, you know, clearly I thought the Raiders won the 2019 uh you know version of this uh you know with their draft picks and what they did versus what Khalil Mack accomplished in Chicago uh last year but now here we are in 2020 this is the rubber match as far as I'm concerned same thing with Trey Burton 2018 very good one of Mitch's favorite targets 2019 you know and, and starting even in the year 2019 with the um the groin injury that kept him out of the game in, in the wild card game against Philly. And then it was something that bothered him throughout the off season. He was late, late to camp as far as being healthy. And when he played, he was useless. He only played in about a handful of games and didn't even gain a hundred yards receiving on the season. Not one of our tight ends did uh, this season. And he was a high ticket free agent making about $8 million a year because signed a four year, $32 million contract i really thought the bears would give him uh one more season they must be supremely confident in what jimmy graham is going to bring to the table if they felt that now was a good time to cut bait instead of having both of them as options out there uh for us so i'm not surprised but i am at the same time it's like you know this kind of writing on the wall thing once we signed uh jimmy graham not to mention all the talk about the bears being one of those teams that could take a tight end uh, in the draft it's still possible but uh, we'll have to wait and see if they'll they'll go ahead and do that now so I don't know uh, it, it's it's not a surprising move but it, I'm surprised they did it now I thought maybe you know if he didn't come out and perform in training camp then they'd maybe look to trade him or or let him go at that point but I don't know we'll have to see maybe they cut him now to avoid some kind of guarantee kicking in on his contract if he was on the roster on you know may 1st or something like that you know after the draft and who knows but nonetheless uh trey burton is uh done he's done i mean this is something that's been posted on the chicago bears twitter account and uh, everything uh he'll be a bear officially until june 1st and then after that he's officially gone from the team so the bears cutting cutting loose uh their uh free agent signing of 2018 uh trey burton so and i think uh letting him go pretty much wiped out every free agent that uh ryan pace brought in in 2018 taylor gabriel is gone uh you know trey burton is gone obviously cody parkey uh is gone so you know pretty much just doing away with everything he did in the 2018 off season i've got mixed feelings uh about that but uh 
anyway, that's what the Bears have been doing to keep themselves busy in the last several uh, days. And uh, what do you say we go ahead and start talking about the draft here and uh, bring in our guest, our good friend Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com to help us preview the 2020 NFL Draft. It's the third week, third week, fourth week, whatever. It's April. It's late April, which means it's draft week. So that must mean that our good friend from draftcountdown.com is with us once again, Scott Wright, our resident draft guru. Scott, how are we doing, man? I'm doing excellent. Good to be with you again. So, Scott, we were just chatting a little bit before we got started recording here, and you touched on something like how you're, you're looking forward to the draft because it's going to give us kind of like that vintage like old school feel and and I I had the exact same thought because um for my last episode I did a what if scenario uh around the 1983 draft and it was there was a it was it was based off the 30 for 30 from Elway to Marino did you see that one Yeah absolutely Yeah and <clears throat> there was a segment in that documentary where the Raiders were trying to make a trade with my Bears to get into the top 10 to make a move for John Elway. So we did that based on what if the Bears and the Raiders make that trade, how does that change? Because the funny thing is the trade didn't happen, and yet everything worked out for both teams. The Bears had the, the foundation draft for the 85 team, and even though the Raiders didn't knock it out of the park with the draft itself, they won the Super Bowl in 83. So it worked out short term for, for both teams. But looking back at, you know, while they were going through all of the picks from Elway to Marino, there's Chris Berman and, uh, you know, Dr. Z, you know, in, in for ESPN, literally in a booth off to the side. They're in like the Sheraton Hotel in New York. <laughs> and the and what got me was the start time for that draft. And I didn't figure that out until the end of the first round when they said, yes, the first round ends at 11.17, lasting three hours and X minutes. The, the draft started 8 o'clock in the morning back in 1983. <laughs> and it, it's like, I know that's not going to happen here. I'm sure they're still going to try to do the prime time thing on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and whatnot. But we're very, very much going back to 83 for this draft this year. Yeah, it's going to have a, a vintage feel to it. I think back to those old black and white pictures you see of like the old commissioner Pete Rizal, like writing the names on a chalkboard in this like ballroom at a hotel, like you said. And uh, it's going to get feel a little bit more like that this year. And it's going to be a fascinating draft to watch out, play out in real time, but really reflect back on for years to come to see how the circumstances. Uh, really wind up impacting it, so it, it, it's it's going to be fun. And and honestly, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad. I don't not that's the wrong way to say. It. I'm not glad what's happening, but I'm looking forward to this change in the the format of the draft. Personally, I'm not a big into all the the pomp and circumstance mm -hmm. and having a half of a million people on the street. I want to talk about the players. I want to analyze what's happening. So I'm I'm hoping there's going to be more of a a focus on that with this year's coverage, but. But who knows? And then the other thing, too, is they're combining ESPN and NFL Network. So we get like a crossover here between oh, wow. and we get the best of both worlds for okay. the coverage. So I did not yeah, know that. It, yeah, absolutely. So you're going to have Kuiper. You're going to have Jeremiah. You're going to have McShay. You're gonna, they're all going to be in there together. So um, it, it's going to be fun. And uh, it's definitely going to be something we've never seen. Really interesting. That might answer because I saw Kurt Warner on ESPN the other day. Is this that like the beginning? of that i was like did kurt warner jump ship or you know what's going on here because they usually don't have nfl network guys on espn do you know if kurt warner jumped ship yeah i think i saw him they were doing like a live mock draft right and he was doing the pick for the arizona Cardinals. i think so something it was something in in that regard that he was he was on like a draft special of, of some kind and i was like you know i was like this kurt wait a minute this is espn what's kurt warner doing here so yeah i thought it was everyone's strange. coming together Wow. Okay. Pooling resources, I guess, uh, for something uh, like yeah. this. So, yeah, that should be that should be interesting. So but, you know, you, you said it was, you know, that you were, you, you know, kind of glad that it's not going to be all of the big ceremony and, and 
uh, everything. And I, I agree with you that I'm not really the biggest fan of all of that. I, I love the spectacle of it, and it's the draft and, and you know how crazy it can be. And the, the appearance of it all in Nashville last year was very impressive, and I was very much looking forward to seeing how over-the-top Vegas was going to be this year. So that's like my disappointment is that we won't get to see them blow it up in Vegas. But I'm I'm more like you. Like I, I would prefer to keep it simple and, and talk about player analysis and, and why these players are special and why they got picked and why this team picked that player and whether or not that's a good idea, this good fit, bad fit, uh, that kind of thing. That's the stuff that I really get into because unlike you, Scott, I'm a casual fan when it comes to the draft. Like I don't spend the off season and or, you know, for like you, every single day going back and forth over film, learning tendencies and, you know, this guy's got a good hip movement and he's got quick feet or, you know, he's got short arms but he doesn't play like it, you know, that kind of thing. I I don't analyze that kind of stuff. So when I watch the draft, I'm I use the draft to learn about these players and what to expect from them when they suit up for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know, maybe we're the minority, you know, maybe, maybe most people don't like to get into the weeds that much and get so technical. But, uh, you know, maybe the, the but uh, but yeah, that's what I prefer too. I like talking about not only the players, but I like talking about, oh, this team, you know, we thought they might go after this player, they might have jockeyed around and just just kind of the inner workings of the draft. I always kind of find that fascinating. So yeah, I hope there's a little bit more of a focus on that this year. And uh, but we'll see. Well, I know that we'll be able to hopefully well, – we won't get run into, or at least I don't anticipate anyway, running into – oh, yeah, the draft is like four picks behind from where we're supposed to be. Like the next four picks have been made, but because – you know, uh, Ricky Johnson brought 37 members of his family to take a picture <laughs> on the stage. Um, you know, we're falling behind. And then, of course, they have to talk to Deion Sanders and Susie Colbert. I guess that's another thing we won't have to deal with this year is the network's taking turns interviewing players on the stage before they go out. There won't be that long thing with the jersey and the, everyone's hugging Goodell. And the other thing that I can definitely do without because it's, it's grown old, whether or not he's still the villain of the NFL or whatever, fans booing Goodell. That, that, that's been old for 10 years now or however long it's been. We won't have to listen to that nonsense. It, it's anymore. still going to be prominent. I tell you what, I just read today that the NFL is doing a uh, fundraiser for charity where I think if you tweet boo the commissioner or something <laughs> like that, they donate a dollar for every tweet that hashtags boo the commissioner. So I'm sure they'll be promoting that enough. You're still going to get a chance to boo from your own home right well at least we won't have to hear it this time so um all right so let's get into this uh draft overall how are you liking this year's class it's a good class uh, i think it's definitely stronger at the top than last year's um i, I think we're going to go probably six seven eight players deep in that that top tier so i, I think it's stronger at the top uh, and then the depth is really good, especially at certain positions. I mean, everyone talks about wide receiver. And, uh, mm -hmm. and you know, I don't know if this is the best wide receiver class I've ever seen, like some have talked about, but it's definitely the deepest. Hmm. I mean, you're going to get second-round receivers in the fourth round, third-round receivers in the fifth round, et cetera. And, and there's going to be a dozen or two wide receivers that go undrafted that would probably be selected in just about any other year. So um, incredible depth at wide out, but uh, a good crop. It's intriguing because you have the like, – you have those four quarterbacks at the top that that add some intrigue. Of course, uh, like like football in general, the draft revolves around the quarterback position to a certain degree. So having those top quarterback prospects, uh, it, it definitely adds to the the excitement. So it, this is gonna be a fun draft, and and you know, there's talk that because we're not gonna, there's gonna be more surprises than normal, and that wouldn't surprise me because. Yeah. Usually for the last month, month and a half leading up to the draft, all these teams and scouts and decision makers, they're on the road. They're gathering information of pro days and people like that. And I, I'll include myself in that group. You know, we'd like to talk about the draft. This is what we love. This is what we're passionate about. We talk about which players we like. And, and this word starts to kind of leak out. Oh, this team's looking at this position. This team likes this player. They don't like that player. Don't have as much as that this year. The, 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 the gossip isn't as prevalent as it used to be. So um, I, I think we could see some surprises, uh, not only in the, in the early rounds, but I think later in the draft, I think we might see some guys that most think are going the sixth or seventh round, going the fourth round or vice versa. So 
Um, this is this is gonna, this could be a pretty crazy draft just because of the the unique circumstances. Yeah, I mean, every year is is uh is, there's always you know a handful of surprises, if not more, just because this team has got this player valued way higher than basically anyone else does. There's always shocks and sur- and surprises uh, when it comes to that. But you're saying that we could probably see that in all seven rounds this year. Yeah, I really think so. And then, of course, there's positional examples. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was just working, and this kind of uh, uh, pertains to the Bears, too, because I think it's a position they might be looking to address in the draft. Offensive guard. I was working on my final offensive guard dra- rankings, and I wound up with Danny Pinter from Ball State, who was one of the stars of this year's combine, as my number 10 offensive guard, right? Mm-hmm. But would I be shocked if he was the third offensive guard off the board? No. I mean, I have him as my 10th offensive guard in the fifth rounder, but could he go two rounds earlier? Yes, uh, in part because of a, l- a little bit of a lack of consensus, in part, too, because well, most of the top offensive guards in this class are are power guys, strength guys, whereas Danny Pinner's a really good athlete. So if you're a zone-blocking team looking for a guard, he's going to be probably two or three on your board as opposed to, uh, you know, I'm just doing my rankings just for general regardless of scheme, so I have him down at 10. But, you know, that's just one example where uh, maybe there's a two-round fluctuation where he could come off the board. Nice. So how about the... The quarterbacks. I mean, is Joe Burrow is the unquestioned number one, correct? Yeah, uh, and I think if if Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama had been healthy, uh, it would have been a a horse race, a one A one B situation. But I think the the durability questions give Burrow the edge, and he's going to be the number one pick, uh, most likely the Cincinnati Bengals. And and if they were to trade, it would be somebody coming up to get Burrow. So yeah, uh, Burrow's be the number one pick, and. Not necessarily the most physically talented guy we've ever seen in terms of the size, the arm strength, the athleticism. More than adequate across the board, but it's the intangibles that really set him apart. He's that that classic leader of men on the field. Uh, teammates rally to him. He's got uh, that, that that clutch factor. So he's going to be the number one pick. Uh, and then Chase Young from Ohio State, the defensive end, is be the number two pick. And then the draft is going to start at three. Right. And it starts with the Lions and – uh, we'll see where they go from there. Obviously, Bear fans will be interested in seeing who that ends up being, and because usually at three, you're getting your hands on an elite uh, player. But who is is Tua the number two quarterback, or is Justin Herbert going to jump in front of him? Depends who you ask. I mean, he's the yeah. number two quarterback for me, and and even with the durability concerns, I still have Tua as my number three play overall, uh, just behind Joe Burrow. So I'm still a big fan of Tua, and I think with all the focus on the health and the durability we've kind of forgotten what a special player he is when he is healthy and the fact that he's still being talked about as uh, a top five six overall pick despite the the all the medical red flags with him I think speaks volumes to how talented he is uh, so he's going to go in the top five to six whether it's the Dolphins at five I think the Chargers at six are his floor and I won't be surprised to see one of those teams trade up with the Lions at three to get him uh, but but just uh, like I say, I, I think he's been kind of out of sight, out of mind to a certain degree because all, all, he hasn't played for a while and all the focus has been on the off-the-field stuff. But, man, he is a really good player. Do you think at all that because of the, the, the coronavirus and the, the inability of anybody to be able to physically check him out with their own doctors yeah. could cause him to fall? I don't think so because that, especially him in particular, because that's such an important big decision for an organization, they're going to find a way to get the information they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to feel comfortable with it one way or another. And, and there's going to be some teams that are going to have them off their board. They're, they're not going to have the appetite for the risk, whereas some teams are, are going to be uh, feel, uh, that re- willing to roll the dice. And, you know, you think the Miami Dolphins at five, you know, they passed on signing Drew Brees as a free agent because they, they failed him on his physical. And that, that turned out to be one of the greatest mistakes in the history of the organization. Yeah. Could they do it again if you pass on Tua because of the medical and take a lesser player? So I think that's a question they have to ask themselves. What's the bigger risk, taking him and he gets hurt or not taking him and he turns into a superstar? So I, I think that's a question teams like the Dolphins are going to have to ask themselves. And, and uh, worst case, I think he goes to the Chargers at six because not only do they need a quarterback, but they need to sell tickets. And that's a guy yeah. who would uh, who would excite the fan base, sell tickets, sell jerseys. So uh, I think the Chargers would be overjoyed if he fell into their laps at six. Yeah, you're absolutely right about the uh, Chargers needing to sell tickets. I mean, not only do they have a legitimate stadium to fill this time, but they, this was a team that also had trouble 
who was the away team in their own home stadium because the road team was always more significant than their own fans uh, in that in that soccer stadium that only held about 30,000 people. And, and he'd be a good fit there, too, because they want a little bit mobili- more mobility from their quarterback, and, and he could provide that. And, and he wouldn't be necessarily pressed to start right away. They do like Tyrod Taylor, so Tyrod Taylor could you know start the first month of the season, make sure Tua's got his legs under him and he's 100% ready to go. So, yeah, I think that would I, – honestly, I think that would be the ideal situation for, for Tua, honestly, to end up on the West Coast there uh, with the Chargers in Los Angeles where he can take full advantage of all the off-the-field opportunities. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I don't think I think that's his absolute worst case scenario, and I'll be I'll be mildly surprised if he even gets to number six. Right, I feel like um, Tyrod Taylor is turning into this era's Steve DeBerg. Every, <laughs> yeah. every team he goes to, he's just holding the spot for the next guy uh, to come in. He did it in Buffalo with Josh Allen. He did it uh, with in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, and now he could be doing it for either Tua or. Herbert uh, in 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 Los Angeles with the Chargers. I finally did not say San Diego. I'm very proud of myself right now. So that's you good because I'm having problems with that too. But yeah, but, but you're right. And and you know when the Chargers came out and said, you know, we're not going to sign Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. We're happy with Tyrod Taylor. Basically, the translation was we're drafting a quarterback. Drafting a quarterback. Yes, absolutely. So so we have our four quarterbacks. We also have Jordan Love would be the fourth one that we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and whoever ends up being the fourth quarterback in that group could really slide in the draft, maybe till the latter part of round one. It could be an Aaron Rodgers, Brady Quinn type situation where this whoever the fourth quarterback ends up being goes into the day thinking, I have a real chance to be the fifth pick to the Dolphins, the sixth pick to the Chargers. And then whoever ends up fourth is probably going to slide a little bit, barring somebody trading up for them. So, And that's the thing, too. If you're looking for big surprises in the draft, I've, I've heard both the Dolphins and Chargers link prominently to Jordan Love. So I won't be shocked if he was the preference of one of those teams. I don't know if it would be a five or six or maybe in a trade back or the Dolphins. They have other first-round picks they can maneuver. But but keep an eye on Jordan Love. To me, he's going to be one of the most fascinating prospects to watch going into the tra- this draft and, and probably one of the two or three storylines I'm most excited to keep an eye on play out as the draft progresses. Now, is that a, a, a pure talent thing for him? Because he went to, he went to Utah State. It's not exactly a hotbed for – you know, top prospects and and it's not exactly a, a, a the highest. I mean, it's Division one, you know, but it's not, you know, the the the, the power five or anything like that that he faced on a day in, day out uh, basis. So this has to be pure, uh, you know, athleticism, skill level, man amongst boys type thing with him. Right. Really toolsy prospect. Uh, good athlete, super strong arm, can make all the throws, good size. Uh, it's been kind of a roller coaster ride for Jordan Love the last year because even though he played at a somewhat smaller program, he was very highly thought of a year ago at this time. Uh, he was being talked about as a top, potential top 10 overall pick. Then Utah State, they lost their head coach, so they brought in a new head coach, a new system. He lost, I think, 10 of 11 players on offense or 9 of 11, something like that. So all new personnel around him and had a very disappointing final campaign in college. Uh, he threw, I believe, 17 interceptions. Uh, just did not perform like you'd expect a player of his talent to perform. But uh, he kind of started to rehab his stock at the Senior Bowl, and and he's a guy that that team. There's a lot of teams in the league that are really high on, and it, you hear Patrick Mahomes comparisons, and I'm guilty of that as well. And that's completely unfair to put those two in the same sentence. But I think where most are coming from when they say that, including myself, is there's those flashes of brilliance when he'll make a play that other quarterbacks wouldn't even dare attempt or think about and, and he can he can do that so there's some real wow moments on phil for jordan love and you can make an argument he might have as much upside as any of the top quarterbacks in this class so um he could go as early as five or six or he could be there on the board for a team like the patriots or or the saints towards the end of round one or even the packers oh god help us if he lands in green bay um <laughs> You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because you were talking about Jordan Love and it, it sounded almost word for word the comparison that people were making to Marino in that 30 for 30 documentary is that his junior year was his stellar, outstanding, could have been a top five pick if he came out after his junior season. Then his senior season, he was like 19 touchdowns, 18 picks uh, kind of thing. And that's why he was – I mean. That's why he was, you know, the last quarterback taken in the first round 
uh, back in 83. Jordan Love kind of had a similar uh, path. Yeah, I, I think you can make some similarities there. And, and there again, too, you know, super talented. Nobody ever doubted that Marino won a, a right. great talent, just like Jordan Love. Uh, just the results on the field didn't necessarily match up. And when Jordan Love did get a chance to play better competition this past year, it wasn't pretty. Uh, the most notable game was LSU early in the season, and he he really struggled mightily. I mean, everybody struggled against LSU. But um, but but then I think back to when Ben Roethlisberger was at Miami of Ohio. I remember watching him play Iowa during his junior season, and and he was horrible against Iowa. Uh, you know, so uh, you look at Josh Allen. I mean, he was he was terrible at Wyoming against some of the better opponents, and he's turned out all right for the Bills. So you know, you you have to kind of evaluate what you think they can be, not necessarily what they are. And I, I think. With Jordan Love, you're basing it more on potential than what he is right now. And ideally, he could sit and learn for a full year like Patrick Mahomes did to, to for his development. But uh, that, that's easier said and done these days. But uh, but for teams that kind of take the long view and are willing to be patient, uh, the payoff could be enormous. So let's talk about uh, running backs uh, really quick because I find this to be one of the more fascinating positions in the draft in recent time because – do you think we'll ever see a running back taking first overall in the draft ever again? Well, I've been covering the NFL draft long enough to know to never say never. Uh, <laughs> but but it's, it's going to be rare. But I think we've seen a little bit of a resurgence in recent years with Todd Gurley and Zeke Elliott and, and Saquon Barkley. At one point before those guys, we were saying, man, are we ever going to see a running back taken early in the first round again? Yeah. For the right guy, anything's possible. But it, it's it's – Using a, a top 10 overall pick, let alone number one overall in a running back, isn't going to be commonplace by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I agree with that. Even the best running backs, I mean, Saquon Barkley was a freak, but uh, where has he gotten the Giants? And yeah. guess what, Char- at Giants, now it's almost time you're going to have to pay him. You're going to have you're gonna have to have him taking up a huge chunk of your salary cap now too. So um, it, it's just not prudent when you have this finite pie of resources you have to divvy up. It's just not prudent to invest in a – uh, running back and I don't think we're going to see that this year I, I I think there's a scenario where best case one or two running backs in the latter part of the first round but there's a chance we don't see any running backs in the first round and mm. uh, honestly this is the type of year where I think I'd probably rather draft the third or fourth running back than the first or second uh, just because I don't think there's gonna be that much of a difference but there's kind of a, a clear-cut top group of four maybe five if you want to throw Cam Akers from Florida State into it uh, but DeAndre Swift from Georgia, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, those are the guys that have a chance to go in the first round. But then J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State and Clyde Edwards-Elair from LSU. I think all of those guys are going to be gone by the end of round two, maybe in the top 50 overall. Uh, and, and each brings something a little different to the table. But uh, but yeah, not a bumper crop uh, of running backs. And there's some intriguing options in the middle to late rounds, but not as many, I don't think, as we've seen in recent years. So um it's a good running back class, not a great one. Uh, and I think if you're looking for that that instant starter, that bell cow, you probably want to get one of those top four to five. Yeah, I mean, it's just the running back has become such a weird uh, position. I mean, especially as a Bear fan, we've had in, historically, aside from like Walter Payton, uh, we've had way more success with running backs in the later round than we have in the early part of the draft is like the exceptions like you have Walter Payton, uh, Neil Anderson was a first round pick. Matt Forte was a second rounder. And then everyone else that we've taken in the first round or in the early rounds have been disastrous. But then recently Tariq Cohen, fourth round pick, Jordan Howard, fifth round pick, David Montgomery, third round pick, you know, things like, like we have day two, day three guys have been better for the bears than picking in any elite, uh, you know, person in, in, in the, in the first round. And even, I mean, the Jaguars are trying to cut bait with, with, with Leonard Fournette. Todd Gurley's on his second team. Now it just seems like running backs have, have become that dime a dozen position in the league because, you know, NFL scouts and, 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 and GMs feel like they can find a running back anywhere in the draft. Why would I pay this guy $15 million a year unless you're Christian McCaffrey who can do everything? The Bears did have a bit of a proclivity back in the day for taking running backs really early in the draft, didn't yeah. they? I was thinking of when you were talking, I was thinking Rashawn Salam, Curtis yep. Enos, some of their uh, so, some prominent names from the past. But Curtis I think with the running back position, it, it's about value. It, it's not that they aren't appreciated. I think most teams in the league, hey, we want a great running back. We sure, want to be able sure. to control the ball, run the ball. But I think teams just look at it and say, 
as much as we like DeAndre Swift from Georgia, is he that much better to t- that we have to take him at the end of the first round? Is he that much better than the guy we're going to get in the third or fourth round? Can we get 80% of the production at, at half the value? I think that's the way teams have to look at it. And, and there will be some exceptions. I mean, Saquon Barkley, clearly that's a guy you got to take early in the draft. He's a special player at that position, but uh, those guys don't come along every year. And I don't think we have that guy in this class. And um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if a running back, the team everybody links to a running back is the Miami Dolphins uh, late in the first round at 26 overall. I think that would make a sense for either Swift or Taylor, although they've also been linked to Dobbins, who they could probably get in the second round. The team I'm kind of watching as a dark horse to maybe take a running back is the Chiefs with that last pick in the first round if they don't trade down. Can you imagine adding a, a weapon like DeAndre Swift to that offense? That would uh, uh, that would be giving defenses mo- even more nightmares than they have now. You have to cover. You got to worry about Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and all these guys, and then you throw DeAndre Swift into that conversation too. Yeah, thank God they're in the AFC and we'd only have to see them <laughs> once every four years, or God forbid, if we both make the Super Bowl. So. Um, so let's move on to the Bears uh, real quick because I think we're running short on time. But, um, you know, thanks to the Khalil Mack trade, no first-round pick this year. But we got, by some stroke of genius, uh, Ryan Pace got a second-rounder out of the Chiefs – or, excuse me, the Raiders. <laughs> and so we've got two second-rounders. we got 43, which is the Raiders pick, and 50, which is the Bears pick uh, this year. Um, I know that you do like two, three uh, round mock drafts. Who do you have the Bears taking right now? Yeah, I'm starting to work on the final mock draft tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, uh, until they signed Jimmy Graham, I, every, all the folks went, well, they're going to take tight end. They were the heavy favorite to take the first tight end. Now I, I doubt they take a tight end with one of those first two picks. Uh, I, I think the, the biggest need is along the offensive line. Yes. They need to bring in a blocker. Uh, so I, I think best available offensive lineman uh, in, with their first pick. And, you know, it's, it's value-wise, it's going to be tough. It really is because I don't think Cesar Ruiz from Michigan makes it that far. That might be a little bit early for Robert Hunt from Louisiana. If there's going to be an early run on offensive tackles. I think we might see eight or nine go in the first round. So I'm not sure how much values there's going to be there. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting. What, what do you think is going to be the priority for the Bears? Do you think it's going to be a tackle or do you think it's going to be a guard? Because, I mean, I would make an argument for either. I would both. probably say guard because that's the – that's. We have a st- we have starters at tackle. Now, granted, we could definitely use depth or an heir apparent for either tackle spot for sure. But as far as like our starting five right now, we don't have a right guard. I mean, Alex Barr seems to be the heir apparent uh, right now, or at least the the Bears' lack of activity in free agency for a guard uh, would say would would be a signal that they're looking at Alex Barr's to kind of pick up you know a full year removed from the or two years now removed from the knee injury that he suffered in his senior year at at Notre Dame a full year in the system and he was on the active roster you know for the last like two-thirds of the of the season and everything that they like him they want to give him first dibs uh although they did just recently re-sign Rashad Coward so who knows but I would say as far as um need I'd probably say interior alignment so a guard would probably be ranked just a, just slightly above tackle, but Ryan Pace is a best available guy. So, who do you think would be best available at that spot? I mean, it, the dream pick would be Caesar Ruiz from Michigan. He's the clear cut top interior offensive lineman. Uh, he could project a center or guard at the next level, uh, and that might even be a guy worth exploring up for, trading up for a little bit, just because he is that clear cut number one. Although I think there's a really good chance he goes in the first round. A name to keep an eye on. I, the second round might be a little early, but Lloyd Cushenberry the third from LSU. He kind of fits what the Bears look for along the offensive line in the same vein as Cody Whitehair and James Daniels, and that uh, can play center or guard. Uh, kind of a, a big body, really long arms. I was impressed with him down at the Senior Bowl. He was one of the few blockers who could hold his own against Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina, who's going to be a top ten to fifteen overall pick. So Lloyd Cushenberry is a guy I'd watch out for, but. Otherwise, honestly, I don't know that there's going to be great value at offensive card in the second round. Uh, I almost think third to fourth round is going to be the the sweet spot for that position. And, you know, there's a bunch of names I like a little bit later on. Uh, Damian Lewis from LSU, there's a chance he could be a third-round pick. Kind of a a little one-dimensional. He's, a, he's 6'2", 327, so he's kind of like this fire hydrant, really strong, powerful, road grader as a run blocker. 
Uh, a couple of big guys that I like, Ben Bredesen from Michigan and Logan Stenberg from Kentucky. They're both in the third to fourth range round range. So um, value-wise, I don't know that guards can be the way to go for the Bears in round two. Uh, um, with, with that being the case, I almost think they should wait to round three or four to try to to address that position. So th- that'll be interesting to see if they maybe reach a little bit for a Lloyd Cushenberry or if they, uh, they, they kind of keep their powder dry, if you will, and address some other positions and, and wait to, to, to take advantage of that sweet spot where, where talent and value kind of intersect it, uh, into your blocker. Well, to feed into that, there's also been a lot of talk because after 50, the Bears don't pick again to the back half of the – well, they don't pick until the fifth round, actually, because we traded oh, there you go. Our, the, the fourth-round compensatory pick for Nick Foles. So we don't pick again until the fifth round. So there have been a lot of talk about, you know, somebody coming up for 43 so that we could get ourselves back into the third and maybe even also into the fourth round if we get, you know, get the right team looking at the, you know, making the right asking price that we keep 50, but we back into the, we back out of 43 so we can get our hands on some more picks in between the second and the uh and the fifth round so i wouldn't be surprised to see that especially if the bears are talking you know and like i said ryan pace is the best available guy if the value isn't there uh at 43 i could definitely see him trading down even though ryan pace's every instinct says to trade up he's a he's an aggressive go get him type of guy but we just don't have the capital uh this year to be able to do that we'd have to dip into next year again to i think move up into the to go ahead and get like a Caesar Ruiz or somebody like that. So, but the other need. And this that, is the type of year you want those third, fourth, fifth round picks yeah, too. So I, I sure. definitely think that's a strategy for the Bears. And and, and look at the landscape too. Whereas second round's kind of a no man's land for an offensive guard. I think it could be a good spot for a defensive back, which I think yeah. is the Bears' other priority. That's what I was thinking was that you know maybe they could find value for a for a safety at forty three and and maybe talk about the lineman later on in the second round or use 50 to trade back to get into the third round and, and find a Lloyd Cushenberry or something like that um, there. Who, who are your favorites among guys that could be there in the second round safety-wise for the Bears? Yeah, and, and the safety run's not going to start till late. I mean, I don't know if I would even say there's a surefire first-round pick at the safety position this year. Maybe Xavier McKinney from Alabama sneaks into the latter part of the round one, but Grant Delpit from LSU is dropping a little bit. So the second round, if you're looking for a safety, that's the place to be. I think Delpit McKinney are probably going to be the first guys off the board, but I really like Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota. Just a, a carbon copy of his dad's game. Right. Uh, can play free safety, can play cornerback. Your comparisons to Tyron Matthew. Uh, he's a playmaker in the back end. So I think Antoine Winfield's a guy who can be in the conversation. Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois. Yep. To me, he's kind of this year's poor man's Isaiah Simmons, who's going to go in the top 10 overall. Uh, just a freakish physical specimen. I couldn't have been more impressed with him down at the Senior Bowl. Same goes for Kyle Duggar, another small school prospect from Lenore Ryan, uh, Ashton Davis from California. So that's right where you want to be if you're looking for a safety. So I, I guess with that first pick, that's kind of what I'd be looking at for the Bears right now uh, is whether hoping that an Antoine Winfield Jr. is there, a Jeremy Chin, a uh, Kyle Duggar. I think those are some of the names they're going to be looking at there, and I think you can make a good argument for any of them. Yeah, I, I only caught about half of that because I'm, I'm deeply intrigued to find out what's going on with your dog. So I'm sorry about that. The the neighbor's dog is uh is been harassing my dog lately. So is that right? Nice. Apparently, she the, the neighbor dog's making an appearance. Uh, okay, <laughs> she is not a fan, huh? No, no. And, and you know, if she was outside, she wouldn't say boo. But when she's in the house behind the safety of her oh, own yeah, window, looking sure. out the front, she's real tough. You ever seen that <laughs> video of the two dogs barking on on either side of a gate door that's opening? No. There's it's a sliding gate and it's like a mechanical gate and it's sliding open and the dogs are on either side barking at each other and kind of moving with the gate as it's closing rather than take advantage of the fact that it's opening and get after each other. They're both just kind of roo, 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 as the as the gate is starting to go into its slot like it's being pulled out open and the dogs are barking at each other moving with the gate as it closes and as soon as it closes they just walk away. All hat, no cattle. They talk the absolutely, game. absolutely. But uh, to to get back to it real quick, I know we got to wrap it up here. But uh, Jeremy Chin is an interesting name, as you know, local guy from Southern uh, Illinois. I've heard Antoine Winfield uh, uh, Jr. So these are some names. Would they be good fits 
for the Bears because haha Clinton Dix was a good player for us, but he was too much of a he, it was a bad scheme fit, if you will, because he was more of a of a free safety type and, and wasn't letting Eddie Jackson free flow and be the the disastrous weapon that he was for us uh in twenty eighteen. He was pretty absent from his playmaking. Uh, in 2019 would either one of those guys be a good box safety so Eddie Jackson can hang back deep and, and be Eddie Jackson yeah and, and both Winfield and Chin are, are very different types of players I mean physically you stand them next to each other you'd probably be surprised that they play the same position I mean Chin is 6'3 221 Winfield's 5'9 203 yet they both ran a 445 at the scouting combine and that's so what's so intriguing with Chin I mean he he'll come into the box and he'll play like a linebacker and he'll hit but He's also capable of running vertically down the field with wide receivers step for step. Wow. So that's what's so intriguing about him. Uh, whereas Antoine Winfield, he gives you versatility as well, but it's more in the secondary where he can play safety. You can kick him uh, down in the slot and play him in the nickel corner. And and he's your playmaker. And Chin did make plays as well, uh, but but Winfield has that, that knack for finding the ball. I think he had seven interceptions this past year. So um, I, I think both give you some playmaking ability. Winfield a little more, but... I think if if you want the versatile guy at chess piece in the secondary, you go with Winfield. If you want a guy you can play at, at at two different levels with the linebackers or in the secondary, I think Chin is your guy. So, but very different type of players. I mean, I I, I think when you look at those two guys, you're going to know depending on what you're looking for, which is the right fit for you. So, last guy that I want to talk about, I don't remember his name, but I remember the school that he's from because it's Division Three, the Lenore Ryan uh, guy. You got to be some kind of player. If you're going to, especially a random, well, at least as far as the casual fan is concerned, a random school like Lenore Ryan, most people don't know where it is, but you're getting, you know, second, third round talk as a safety, as a division three player. You got to be some kind of player to get that kind of uh, attention uh, from such a small school. Yeah, no question. And, and Lenore Ryan, of course, uh, is in Hickory, North Carolina. North Carolina, for, yeah. Yeah. So for future reference, uh, I'm not sure they're going to be a, come a hotbed for NFL talent, but just in case. Uh, but Kyle Duggar, <laughs> Kyle he's, Duggar, he's kind of, yep, he's kind of gone wire to wire as one of, if not the top small school prospect in this class. Even a year ago, this time we knew he was going to be a guy to watch, and uh, he certainly uh, passed the test at every step of the way. I um, mean, just I mean, he looks the part. He's six one, two hundred seventeen pounds. He he ran a four four nine, which is good, but actually we thought he might run a little faster. Just a really explosive athlete, uh, similar to Chin in that you can play him in the box as kind of a linebacker, or you can uh, you can run downfield in coverage as well. Just doesn't have quite the same length that Chin does, and not as much of a playmaker as Chin either. I might be in a minority where I have Chin ranked ahead of Duggar, just because I saw Chin make more impact plays. Uh, I didn't see Duggar, even though he looked apart and you could tell where he was on the field at all times when watching him, didn't necessarily see him make those dynamic plays that you'd expect from a lower level of competition. But also a guy who can help you on special teams as a return man, really impressed out the senior bowl. And I think Chin and Duggar, I don't think either of those guys escaped the second round. And and to me, that was a story. I've been going down to the senior bowl since 2005. And Every year there's kind of a storyline, and coming out of this Senior Bowl, the storyline was the small school guys showing out. All of these guys really proved they belong, not only Chin and Duggar, but you look at Adam Troutman, the tight end from Dayton. There are mm -hmm. five, six guys who, who just really impressed. So to me, the storyline of the Senior Bowl this year was the small school prospects, and, and Chin and Duggar kind of led the way, and, and I think they're going to be rewarded for it on draft day. And, and honestly, I mean – I always try to look for what's going to be the surprise in round one. Who's going to be this year's Titus Howard, that guy that nobody expects to be a first-round pick who sneaks into the first round? Yeah. I think this year it could be Duggar. Duggar's been kind of my pick for the last few months. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen or it's likely, but just something I'll, if you're looking for something completely out of left field, just because there's so much uncertainty at the safety position, there isn't a consensus, this guy's one, two, three, four, five. And, and Duggar has a lot of fans and has a lot of upside, so – um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes a little early than expected. Well, Scott, I know you're a busy guy, so we're going to go ahead and, and let you go, but I want to have you back after the draft. That's when we'll discuss late-round guys and, and things like that, especially when it comes to uh, the Bears because that's the majority of our draft. We have seven picks, and most of them are after the second. Uh, it's like five. I think we have a six and two or three sevens and, and that kind of thing, so we'll be talking about those late-round guys 
uh, and I'd love to have you back for that. I'd rather talk about the late round guys than the early round guys, to be honest. <laughs> I'd love to come back afterwards. Uh, the fun's just getting started after the draft because then we get to review what actually happened. Yes, instead indeed. of speculating about what might happen. Right, absolutely. So, Scott, thanks so much uh, for coming, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. My pleasure. Anytime. Remember, guys, uh, for free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial, go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash T-E-A-M. And for $50 off your first job posting, go to linkedin.com slash team, T-E-A-M, linkedin.com slash team uh, for that as well. want to thank our good friend Scott Wright for coming on to the show and uh, – you know, entertaining us a bit uh, about the uh, about the draft. The guy lives for this stuff. I don't exactly have to beg him to come on the show. The guy loves to talk about the draft, and I love talking about the draft with him, quite frankly. Looking forward to having him back on after uh, the draft, uh, and I usually wait until after the Bears have signed their um, undrafted free agent class uh, so we can kind of get his word on, on any of those guys uh, as well. So, um, you know, once the once the Bears have secured and who knows how long that might take uh, this year. But uh, once the Bears have a a collection of uh, players as far as undrafted rookie free agents, then uh, we'll bring Scott right back and he can learn us all some new stuff about these guys that are going to be wearing bear helmets uh, this year. Knock on wood, there is still a this year. God help us. But, um, you know. Looking forward to that and kind of like where, you know, sometimes you guys tell me you like my review episodes more than my preview episodes. And I feel that way about the draft. There's a lot of unknowns going into the draft, and that's what's kind of intriguing about watching it because there's always surprises on this team taking that guy in this spot uh, and things like that. I'm looking forward to that happening, Uh, although we'll kind of be – I think, you know, the crowd not being there, uh, you know – is what's probably you know that's what kind of heightens the drama about things that happen like if you guys remember when the bears took trubisky in 2017 nobody saw that coming so uh you know rich eisen whoa when the bears make that announcement and uh uh and what have you and and all the drama that ensued uh afterwards you know uh the different teams you know different teams making play or making trades and uh, and things like that. All that stuff is going to happen. So who's going to move up, and what are they going to give up to get this player and uh, and such? That's what's always intriguing about the the draft. And uh, I don't think that's going to change. This you know, despite the setting uh, this year or lack thereof, for that matter, uh, of a setting. But um, I'm I'm interested to see. Like I said earlier, I, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm I'm interested. I'm excited, and I'm also afraid at the same time. Because this might be the most boring NFL draft anyone has ever watched, um, you know. Like I said about that that thirty for thirty documentary, the draft started at Saturday morning at eight a.m. and the first round took three hours. I said, "Yeah, the first round ends at eleven seventeen, a duration of three hours and seventeen minutes." Like the draft started at eight a.m. That sucks, dude. But I also still remember it wasn't too long ago. I think. Um, was it 2011 or 2012 was when they moved it to prime time. Uh, you know, the draft used to start at like 10 a.m. Uh, on Saturday, 10 or 11, something like that. So, But truth be told, I, I still miss those days. I wish the, dra- the draft was still like a two-day uh, event as opposed to this three-night extravaganza uh, that it is. So maybe that's what they should have done this year is just make it a big weekend event on Saturday and Sunday or even Friday, Saturday if they wanted uh, to do that have rounds one and two on friday and then because it's like one round one is 10 minutes round two is seven but then three through seven the last five rounds of the draft are all five minute picks you have five minutes to make these picks so let all the five minute rounds be day two and day one is the first round and the second round the picks that everybody wants to see anyway so just my two cents maybe that's something they should have done for this year specifically, but 
they're going to do it the 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 old the, the, the new old fashioned way with the prime time on Thursday and then Friday and Saturday there here comes the rest of the draft so we'll see how that all works out and then um you know actually I was wrong there is one more event we can get excited about uh between between the draft and the start of the season and that's the schedule release and usually the schedule has been released by now but i heard that it's getting pushed back to to may uh like the first or second week in may this year so we'll have a draft release episode to talk about at some point um in the month of may and then honestly guys i don't know what i'm going to do with my opponent previews uh this year i mean it's uh i mean i i think that i'll probably proceed as if the season is going to start on time and there's no reason to think that it wouldn't at this point because the season is still five months away. But um, we'll see. I don't know what they're going to do with um, with training camp and the preseason and, and you know how long this uh, you know the stay at home or the social distancing thing is going to going to last. So we'll have to wait and see. But we'll we'll see when the schedule comes out. Uh, you know, it's the AFC South and the NFC South, which means we got the 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 Saints, the the I was going to say Packers, the Saints, the Buccaneers, the Falcons and Panthers, along with the Colts, Jags, um, Texans and um, the Colts, the Jags, the Texans, Titans. Yeah, the team that almost went to the Super Bowl this year, the Titans on the schedule uh as well so interesting matchups there we get to see and the texans game is in chicago so (laughs) deshaun watson in chicago for the first time uh that should be interesting and uh tom brady and now rob gronkowski for the tampa bay buccaneers i believe that game is in chicago as well so that is definitely going to be interesting tom brady making what i assume will be his last appearance uh in chicago but uh and then we got the giants and the rams i think the giants and the rams are both same place opponents this year so and then of course our divisional opponents as well so we know where we're going who we're going to play but uh when and where is uh, well actually we know where but i guess the win is what the schedule uh will tell us so we, we have that to look forward to after the draft review when we have scott wright come back to tell us about the players the bears have selected uh in the 2020 draft so everybody stay safe watch your hands wash your hands don't watch them wash them not watch them wash them uh you know wear your masks when you're going outside the social distancing and all that kind of stuff just be safe i want you all listening for as long as you possibly can as healthy as you possibly can be uh so come on back for the review episode uh you know whenever that will be in the next week or two depending on when the bears sign their undrafted rookies and uh then like i said we'll have the schedule released sometime uh, after that and then who knows maybe we'll start with opponent previews and start digging those out and uh moseying our way through the summer as this thing with the pandemic uh you know progresses and uh how long will we have to kind of live behind this curtain before we can throw the curtains open and go back to normal life again so Looking forward to that day, I can tell you that much. But um, anyway, keep your eyes open. Social media, BTU underscore Larry on Twitter and Bears Talk Underground on Facebook. Just search Bears Talk Underground to find the Facebook group to stay up to date on when the next episode will be coming out. So like I said, be back in a week or two with the 2020 draft review episode. So until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.